Oh, 2020, what a year it's been. I think what triathlon has taught me is just to be myself. There's something about being the one who knows where you're going that is really empowering. So much of women's rights are tied up with women's sports. I was 54. I had a kidney transplant. If I can do it, surely you can do it. Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, fellow professional triathlete, Haley Chura. Haley, what's going on in Bozeman this week? Before I get to what's going on, I, I do want to point out our new intro, how much I love it, how I posted on my Instagram page asking if anyone could name the five women, the five voices that are featured in our new intro. I got zero guesses, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's probably something people, you know, are like afraid. You know, they don't want to. I don't know. I don't know why someone would be afraid, but it's like maybe they're maybe they're afraid of getting it wrong and they don't want. I don't know. Maybe they know. Maybe you should have asked for if they knew one of the five. Oh, one of the five. Give a give like a prize for one of the five. Maybe I should do that. Um, I will give a hint to anyone who's listening and wants to join in on this contest. Um, I haven't announced a prize, but I will find a good prize for you. My Instagram prize was more pictures of cowboy and everyone was just like, just give me more pictures of cowboy who is my dog. Um, but I was like, no, you have to give me something. Cowboy pictures aren't free, but, um, you know, a lot of work goes into that, but maybe we'll find some like tangible prizes, maybe sponsor prizes. If anyone could name, um, I like, okay, maybe if you name one, maybe we'll set the bar really low, but I will give the hint that. They are all women we have interviewed in 2020. So you don't need oh, to go back yeah. through like crazy deep archives. That's a good hint. That was like, yeah. So everyone, you guys can do this. I know that you can. And I know we all have a little bit more time on our hands. for the. Well, actually, that's not true. Some people definitely have less time on their hands when they're juggling children and homeschooling and pandemic life. So so if no, that's your excuse, that's fine. But if you're like me and you do happen to have a little bit more time on your hands, um, just start going back through the archives. And I bet you'll find some hidden gems in episodes that you may not have listened to or like you'll just find other tidbits or something like that. Yeah. Ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Send in any of your guesses. If you don't know all five, that's fine. Send in as many as you can guess. I, I need some entertainment because, Alyssa, times have been rough lately. Can I tell you what happened Uh-oh. to me this weekend? Are the fairy houses gone? Oh, the fairy houses are long gone. So oh, no. it's the opposite of a fairy house. What's a the haunted house? Yes. Haunted by actual you- monsters. <laughs> Mice. Mice, Alyssa. Oh, no. I was on the phone with one of my athletes on Friday night and a mouse ran in my I saw a mouse in my living room and I screamed so loud that my neighbor called me (laughs) to see if I was okay. And I was like, no, I am not okay. I am frozen on my coffee table and there is a mouse and I don't know what to do. I am, I'm, I'm like, I was not murdered, but I might be murdered at any moment. And so luckily my neighbor came over. She's like, I have two traps. She came over and she set these two traps and she was so calm and she's walking in like her socked feet and I couldn't even open the door. I had to give her the garage door code. And I was like, you, I can't open the door. I can't step off the coffee table. Like this is where I live now. And poor and cowboy was like so worthless. He was like panicking and trying to get on the coffee table with me. Um, I, I was like, no, get the mouse, get the mouse. I wake up. I, oh gosh. So then I get myself upstairs and 
I could hear them. You know, I hear the trap snap and oh, I'm like, oh, no. and I hear it like, like struggling. And I did not sleep at all Friday night. And I should have put out that the athlete, Nicole, who I was on the phone with when I screamed, like she was at, she's a doctor and she's very intelligent. And we were, she's actually going to be racing the next day. Kind of. She was pacing another friend, an athlete. And so I like, cause I shortened up my, like, uh, my coaching call to her, but she actually had like talked me through a lot, which was actually like so helpful because when you're alone, it's like, it is really scary, but I learned I wasn't alone. My neighbors were there. Um, Nicole was there from afar and another one of the MSU tri club, um, athletes, she had been using my garage earlier um, to work on her car and she had like left like two minutes before. So I'd also called her and I was like, like called 22 year old Virginia. And I was like, Virginia, she was actually one of our mini episode guests. She was the coronavirus screener. She also works on her car and she's also a triathlete. And I found out on Saturday, she's also very good at extermination because Saturday morning I woke up and there were two dead mice in both traps, Alyssa. And it was like so traumatic for me. Luckily my neighbor came over and she actually disposed of the bodies for me. And then she's like, and then Virginia came over because Virginia's like, I'm going for a run. I'm like, would you like to run to my house and take a mid run break and set some mouse traps? And she was like, sure. And so Virginia is like, I'm like, who are you? You're like 15 years younger than me. And she's like teaching me about what you look for, like signs of mice, where we put them, all these things so calmly while I'm like having a nervous breakdown. She like crawls behind my dryer. She's putting steel wool like behind in the hole behind my dryer while I just like panic. She's like setting more traps in the garage, setting traps in the house, right? I go take Cowboy for a walk, chill out. Oh, I forgot to mention we also got like two feet of snow that day. And so there's so much snow. Like I couldn't even drive. It was so cold. And um, which is I think what drove the mice in. But um, beside the point, it's just like miserable. I can't even go anywhere. It's a pandemic. My house is scary. And I come back and I can hear one. And it's behind the dryer. <laughs> and it's like coming out from underneath the dryer attached to the trap. The mouse is still alive. The trap is attached to it and it's trying to crawl away. And I flipped out. I called my neighbor again. She came over. She just picked it up with her hands. Like she had a glove on and she's like picks it up and then she takes it outside and kills it. Anyway, oh, Alyssa, it's been rough. There are currently two more bodies, mouse bodies in my garage. But the four traps indoors are have been clear for like 24 hours. And there's like three traps, more traps in my garage that haven't caught anything. I, I panic called the exterminator and they were like, not very helpful. So I actually think Virginia is better than any exterminator. If anyone, if anyone in Bozeman needs like exterminator help, I might off, I might say hiring this, uh, MSU tri club person is actually better than any like pest control, but, oh, it was a rough weekend. It's been a rough, rough weekend. I'm sorry. Sorry to put that. I should have put a trigger warning on, on that. If anyone has the same <laughs> mouse phobia as me, I had to get over my mouse phobias living in Baltimore city because we had mice the size of like rats. They were actually rats probably. And, but I think it is probably the changing of the seasons and they're looking for the warm places now. So Hopefully it'll all settle for you soon, but I would say that just for your future reference, don't ever stay with Hillary Biscay when you travel or anything like that, because I've ended up at multiple places that before a race where we've been renting and there have been like mice there and she like invites the mice in because you know, Hillary like loves all animals of any sort, rodent or not, like 
should be in the house, should not be in the house. I mean, these rental properties surely did not want to be inviting mice in, but she was like, I mean, basically welcoming them with open arms and she'd like wait around so that she could see it and just to make sure nothing had happened to it because she wanted to make sure it was still okay. I mean, she is like, no. yeah, so she is the opposite of an exterminator. So she wants so mice know. in her house. Does she know? Well, she doesn't, no, she doesn't want them there. She doesn't want them there. But like when they're there. She does like it's like almost a part of the family at that point. Like she'd be like, oh, you know, we we would name them and then just know that they have been around. I mean, it was it's it's an interesting experience if you're ever around her when there's a mouse in the area as well. So just to keep that on your radar in well, case maybe that ever just, just trigger warning for Hillary. Don't listen to this episode where I talk about the murder of five mice in my house. <laughs> What happened over the weekend? There are definitely mouse go- ghosts in my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope it does get better. I'm glad that you had. It's also good to know that if you scream really loudly, your neighbors can hear you and they'll come help you. So that's like a positive thing to come out of it all. The big silver lining was learning that I had I have amazing neighbors. They are so nice. I mean, that was a major moment of of vulnerability for me. And they came to my rescue. And then Virginia as well. You know, when she borrowed my garage, she she said, you know, I'll repay the favor. And she didn't know it would be like three minutes later when I asked her to then exterminate mice from my house. (laughs) So, um, and, you know, it honestly, it gave me a lot of hope for the youth because Virginia's problem-solving skills were so impressive. And, you know, again, like she's that 20 early 20s demographic and it made me feel good about the future I love it good job Virginia thank you for helping Haley Haley your week sounds way more exciting than mine has been um where not a lot has been going on including not a lot of mail in our mailbag so in addition to sending in guesses to the impromptu contest where they're prize is more cowboy pictures if you guess there might be other prizes the- if someone could <laughs> if, if I can name your prize I mean, that's you a good prize. we don't need more prizes than that that's a good prize okay, okay I'll get Ramona thanks. pictures too we, this, is, this is like yeah this is like one of the best contests we've ever had probably but um you can also send questions if you have questions about anything really just send them to us at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com into our mailbag it's getting a little low, Haley, a little lonely in there. So we'd welcome all questions for that, for sure. Yeah, if you have mice suggestions, because if anyone has been listening for a long time, I actually had this problem a year ago as well, and it did not, I can't handle if it happens every single year. That's why I told the exterminator. I was like, you were here a year ago. Why is it still happening? Um, she was actually very nice. The woman was very nice. So, um, but I know I'm going to have to like, when it's spring and the snow has melted, I'm going to be crawling all over, finding whatever hole they are getting in. I am like on a mission, but I can't. I mean, it was my, my Friday evening was ruined. And so was like several other people's because I'm a loud screamer. Anyway, um, uh, on a totally different note, the holidays are coming. <laughs> well, not totally. Di- I mean, snow, snow in Bozeman, basically it's Christmas time. So and actually, we still have a lot of time before Christmas. We have, oh, this is like, we're recording. It's like eight weeks on the dot, pretty much, to Christmas folks. And I love Christmas shopping early. I love doing all that as early as I can. This year in particular, with us probably not going to malls too much with the pandemic and everything else, not a lot of in-person shopping. So extra important to be planning out things now. Um, helping those like small businesses and sponsors of the Iron Women podcast, we will be highlighting. 
and from now for the next couple of weeks so that you guys can start your Christmas shopping with great companies that are supporting the podcast. And you are very good at that. I'm the person doing it last minute and everyone gets like a gift card, but I'm on like email, not even like an actual one. But um, we did our first our first one that we want to highlight, Zilio's, Zilio's stocking stuffers. Stockings are super fun and Zilio's products fit great in stocking stuffers. You can even like, you could put like, I bet a tub of the chamois cream, betwixt chamois cream would fit right in the toe of that stocking. Or if you are looking for something smaller, they come in like smaller packages. The tubes of, I mean, Sun Barrier, if it is, I mean, you can wear SPF year round depending on where you are. Otherwise, um, the new race relief gel would be a great Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, holiday, Christmaka gift. Because, um, you know, if you are, if you're doing some like strength work over the holidays or spending a little extra time on the trainer or in, you know, your home gym and you need, you're a little sore or you have those little sore spots, the race relief gel, it has that menthol cooling, uh, action and it, it feels really good. So you can get 15% off your purchase at teamzilios.com with the code ironwomen. And Haley, we have a super fun, it's a unique interview for our listeners today. That's right, Alyssa. This week we have two guests and they both have very impressive race resumes and a special connection. So some of our listeners might remember Alicia Kay. She did a mini episode with me about a month or so ago about her new try organizing business. So Alicia's back and this time she's joined by her good friend and training partner, Hella Fredrickson. Alicia and Hella, they have a unique and a powerful relationship. It started when they met at a training camp in 2013 and together they tackled some of these really brutally hard workouts and as a result had some of their best races together and they won some of the biggest paychecks that have ever happened in the sport along the way. So Alicia, to give everyone a little bit of her background, she was a force on the non-drafting Olympic distance circuit. She won the Lifetime Series twice. She won the Toyota Triple Crown. She finished second at the High V Triathlon in 2014. And that was before she kind of changed her focus to 70.3 in Ironman. She won several 70.3 races. She qualified and raced at the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. And just this past year in 2019, she decided to step away from the sport and pursue her organizing business. Hella is a Danish Olympian, and she also started her non-drafting triathlon career in the U.S.-based Lifetime Series. In 2014, she earned two $100,000 paydays when she won both the High V Triathlon and Challenge Bahrain. And in that latter race, she set the world best time at the 70.3 distance. Her time was three hours. 55 minutes and 50 seconds, incredibly fast. And during her career, Hella won 1070.3. She was the ITU long distance world championship champion in 2018. And she raced in Kona that same year. And just like her training partner, Alicia, she also retired from the sport in 2019. So this is a unique conversation with two of our sport's greatest athletes. These are women that I feel honored to have raced with, and I'm so proud that I get to call them competitors. And this is also a look at how their relationship evolved over their incredible racing careers. So we'll have this conversation with Alicia Kay and Hella Fredrickson right after a word from our sponsors. Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin, without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. 
Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelio's products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. 2020, what a year. But Haley, it hasn't been all bad. Okay, Alyssa, tell me what's good about 2020. Well, Iron Women partnered with Form Swim Goggles. The pandemic has made pool time really tough, but that hasn't stopped me from seeing my swim splits, pace, and heart rate in real time thanks to the display in the eye cup of my Form Swim Goggles. That's right, and you've spent the past couple of months alternating between a backyard pool, a public pool, and even an open water quarry, right? Yep. The Form Swim goggles now even work in open water. You can track your GPS in a lake, ocean, and even a quarry and see it all in the Form Swim app. Okay, you've convinced me. Thanks to Form, maybe there can still be some swim highlights in 2020. For $199, you get a pair of Form's Smart Swim goggles, adjustable nose bridges to fit any face, and a fancy zipper carrying case. You can check it all out at formswim.com. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast, Alicia and Hella. With two guests, we like to make sure that our listeners can recognize your voices. So maybe we can start with each of you introducing yourselves. Tell us where you are and maybe a little bit about what pandemic life is like in your part of the world. So Alicia, since you are a recently returning guest, let's start with you. All right. So my name is Alicia Kay. I am a retired professional triathlete. Um, I live in Claremont, Florida. Uh, I feel like we're kind of the epicenter of the pandemic right now. Our uh, state has a lot of cases, um, but you know, there's mask wearing and and all of that. Still able to go to the pool, but I don't, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it's definitely the pandemic's wearing on me. I'm looking forward to being able to travel again. And I thought I would look forward to being at home and it's very much the opposite. So looking forward to being able to, um, hop on a flight and go see Hella. (laughs) Yeah. And Hella, tell us where you are and what pandemic life is like where you are. Yeah. Um, my name is Hella Fredrickson and I'm a former professional triathlete as well. Um, I retired uh, just over a year ago now, with everybody saying, wow, that was perfect timing uh, due to the pandemic. <laughs> um, so maybe I'd see that coming. I don't know. No, no. Um, no in Denmark, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty calm now. We, we have had just like, maybe they said like a second wave, um, but we have like in total 600 deaths in total. Uh, we are not many in the country, like five million, but still, I think that it's it's under control. We have to wear masks in in public transport, but else uh, everything is fine, and people are super respectful to keep distance. So I think it's under control, and and most things are getting not normal. I don't think it's really gonna be normal like it was back in the days, but but relatively normal. You're kind of living with it now, so I think it's 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 going much better. Uh, for us. 
I like the way you both made sure to really emphasize the retired from professional triathlon while talking to Haley and myself. It's like, I can't help but be like, okay, one day. It just seems so nice the way (laughs) you guys can say that. Um, You both live in different parts of the world now, but you two had a great relationship during your very successful triathlon careers. And so I'd love to hear about how you first met. Hella, can you tell us about meeting Alicia? Yeah, so... We got the same, well, we had the same coach. Um, it was actually a, a training camp in uh, Florida, uh, Claremont, where um, Alicia lives, where I actually ended up living as well and had a house as well for, for some years. And it was under dual filial. And uh, that was where we met. And I was um, at that point not quite sure what I was going to do, if I was going to continue going towards Rio and do draft legal racing like the most of the guys in the group were doing, or I was going to try and do some non-draft just to see if I was any good at that. And Alicia was doing uh, quite a bit of non-draft at that point and was like a, yeah, magic on that bike. I mean, like she was doing those uh, hard TT intervals and I was just, oh, maybe, you know, if I can follow her or I would, uh, you know, do well at races because Alicia was really, really doing well, especially on the non-draft Olympic races. So I started to do a few um, of the bike session with Alicia where the other ones were doing more, maybe through and off and doing draft legal training where Alicia and I would go on our own. And that was kind of when it started um, there in the beginning of 13. And Alicia, is that how you remember it? Yeah, honestly, it took us like a few months because we had the whole squad there and it really wasn't until the ITU squad started really getting specialized in their training and I started showing up on my TT bike and then Hella started showing up on her TT bike and it just made sense for Joel to say, all right, Alicia and Hella, you're going to do this interval together. And um, we had a very notorious spot that Joel, Joel is a creature of habit. And when he (laughs) finds a road that he likes, you're going to ride it a thousand times. Um, and so we would always be out on this road, Wilson road or Cherry Lake road and ITU group would go one way and me and Hello would go the other way. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah, that was really the bike that we started bonding. Um, just our, I think shared love for pushing ourselves really hard. I think that's what made Hella and I really unique. And we genuinely didn't care who won the session. It was just like, let's just get the most out of each other. And I don't think we ever failed a session ever. Like there would be no. times where it was like one of us would be exhausted a few times in the pool. I have one swim session I can really remember where Hello is dead. And then I like legit blew up and didn't hold anything. But we had like, I swear it was like a 99% success rate on if we were together, we nailed the session. And yeah. We figured that out, and so we just did every swim and bike together for four years, pretty much. (laughs) So we were kind of inseparable. Yeah, it was pretty cool because um, knowing that, you know, that Alicia was one of the best non-draft on the bike, and I mean, like, if I could ride as well as her, I knew, you know, that there would be no one in races that would ride away from me. Because Elisha was my benchmark that I just knew that, yeah, just ha- just hang on. Or we had, we often did, so Elisha would start. She didn't mind being chased, and I liked being the chaser. 
And that was kind of how we did it. And, you know, if I could kind of get up to her or maybe even overtake her in a session, she would almost always retake. Uh, and then that would be kind of how we would do it all the time. And it kept us on the toe, like on our toes. It was, uh, um, And also when there was one person that were down, uh, it could even be like physically because you're tired or mentally. I feel like the other one somehow magically found something to say, okay, I'll just be leading today. You just um, sit on my wheel or be on my feet. And then uh, at least you get through it. You know, you get the physiological stimuli. Um, it might it might be the same. You're just not hitting the numbers today, but we will still get through it. Whereas you had you been alone there, you might not have got the same out of that session. So I think that we were quite good at picking each other up when it was like, we all have those days, right? Where it's just whoa, uphill from the get-go. And in 2013, the non-drafting Olympic distance race circuit in the U.S. was alive and well. And you both competed in races like the Lifetime Series and High V Triathlon. What was it like to race that circuit? Let's start with Alicia. It was so fun. I like. I absolutely loved it. I reflecting back on that series and the opportunity that we had to show up to races with legit prize money, with travel assistance from the race, not your sponsors, but from the race. Like I was sponsorless at that time. Triflare had picked me up and they were my first legit sponsor. Everything outside of that was hand-me-downs from my husband. All my bikes, my gear. Actually, it was like really hella that made me start looking at my bike and like aerodynamics and stuff because I rode like a clip-on profile water bottle with like the sponge in the top like through 2015 <laughs> 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 and like these gigantic like bottles that were round you know I didn't even I was afraid to ride tubulars and stuff and it was actually really hella and her husband Ben that like were like okay you must be like the slipperiest person ever because your your setup is not <laughs> not high-end at all um but <laughs> Yeah, so the racing was just amazing. We got to race in the middle of these huge cities, like Chicago, I think will always go down as such a cool race venue for me. And um, to have the series money at the end as well. Um, the only thing I wish was that I got to race Haskins in 2013. I would have loved to have seen, because when in 2014 when she came back, Hella, myself and her had some unbelievable battles that it was just so fun. And I would have loved to have had that for a whole year. Um, I don't think Haskins would ever replace Caroline for a year of racing. <laughs> but um, when we all three of us were at our best, it was ridiculously fast racing. And we were doing really cool things on the bike. And um, I mean, across the board, Haskins has no, I think the three of us are really well balanced. And um, it was just, it was fun. I loved that. And that's a reference to Sarah Haskins. And she was out on maternity leave in 2013 that year. So yeah. did miss her. But Hella, what about you and your experience, especially being from Denmark and racing a U.S.-based race series? Yeah, so I actually went to the U.S. Yeah, for the, for the um, training camp and actually got kind of could see that, especially on on. Because I was thinking of going to do non-draft and I didn't know if it was going to be half or what I was going to do. But in the States, there were so many more opportunities. Um, there were also better people to train with, better races, more competition. And I was thinking like if I was 
to take the next step in the sport, maybe I need to look outside uh, being in Europe and being in Denmark at that point anyway. So I actually decided after um, the or within the 2013 season that I might just pack down my apartment here in Denmark and, and, and move to the States. And so we did actually. So end of 13, we moved to the States. So so racing over there for me was a was a huge opportunity. And as Lisa said, like they were really, really good price money and it was really, really fast and honest racing on the the non-draft Olympic. And I was I combined it with non-draft Olympic and half distance. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how it yeah, kept me fast on, on half distance. Or well, I just started there in 13 on half distance and straight away were successful. Uh, which I think the combination of the half and the Olympic was good for me. And yeah, knowing that I was training with, with one of the best um, on that distance helped me a lot as well to grow as a person and to learn. And when Alicia is talking about her um, lack of top equipment, I mean, like I've never seen a person sitting so still in the front end. Like I've written an autobiography and I'm explaining in that book how Alicia is sitting still because I was so fascinating about how she could sit there I was all over the place and my head was all over the place all the time and Alicia just sat there just sat like distant face <laughs> so crazy and so these were non-drafting races so it's meant to be done individually but you two were training partners and often finished first and second on race day so do you think that being training partners gave you the advantage to be finishing in those top places We'll start with Hella on this one. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Like, as I said, like, I knew that, you know, if we could push each other in training and make each other suffer in training, there wouldn't be many uh, that would be able to follow us in the races. And there were, it was really like that when Haskin was not racing. It was, I felt like it was Alicia and I and the rest. And there was races where we had a huge gap down to to number three and where Alicia and I was actually racing super close uh, in the front um, I would say like in 13 um, I was learning and Alicia always got the better of me um, actually all the races in 13 until you know um, I went back to Denmark I had some injuries and came back to the States again and did the last I think three three lifetime um, races where Alicia won the overall in in Oceanside both the equalizer and for the women and that was bananas that race like I was so happy for her I mean it was a huge payday and you know she just deserved it so much so so that year I I learned really a lot Um, and yeah I I I grew a lot as an athlete there and and it ended that year that I ended by winning 70.3 Miami so I was kind of you know also feeding on you know being pushed so hard in in races uh, with Alicia. And Alicia, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, if there was ever a downside, like, did you ever dislike being kind of in a close race with someone that you were training so closely with and you had a strong bond with? Um, no, because when the gun went like, and actually one, this is like one of the most important things Hella taught me was, I think I was too sweet and kind on race day. Hella really taught me that, like, listen, when the gun goes, like, I love you up until the gun goes and I'll see you at the finish line. But like our friendship, it's not that it didn't exist, but I was doing 
everything I could to drop Hella on the bike. I was doing, and then I knew that she was going to be hunting me down on the run. It, like, it was like, I had this like minute that I might get her on the bike. And then I knew I was running for dear life. And so, but we crossed the finish line and no matter what, it was like, we were good again. Like I never hated her, disliked her on the race course, but she was not my friend on the race course. She was hella that I was trying to beat. And I knew she was trying to beat me just as much as I was trying to beat her. And so I sort of loved that because she made me feel okay about that. And that it wasn't, I think as women sometimes were, we're like one or the other, right? You're like this, oh, we're, it's, it's, it's it's uncomfortable to be uh, competitive, right? So you just be really sweet and nice and give lots of space on the start line. Like in a couple of my first open water swims, like I got clocked by Hella, and she was like, "Oh, that's good practice." <laughs> what? It was not intentional. <laughs> I was just racing. But it's she taught me that like when the gun goes, like you can take on a different persona and you can be exactly who you need to be, still follow the rules, be a a fair, honest competitor and cross the finish line and like then be good friends again. But she really taught me to like embrace, like I used to get catch up to Haskins and go, great job Haskins. I'm like, no sneak attack. I would literally tell her I was coming. Like, and it wasn't until I started training with Hella that I was like, you can't do that. Like you can, you have to use all of the cards that you have. And one of the cards that I had was that bike. And so I, Hella was the one that were like really taught me to like, you, you don't have to be sweet, nice Alicia on the race course. You can be fair, you can be fierce. And then we can be friends and go for a cup of coffee after the race. <laughs> and I mean, like, being also tactically smart, Alicia, yeah. because when it was that, so it often was like that. She came up to me on the bike somehow. I managed to often get a little gap out of the swim, and Elisa would come up. And the longer we could, I could hang on before she would come on the bike, the better. Then she would often, so in the, the draft legal, it would be stagger rules. Yeah, non-draft, it would be stagger rules. And Elisa would just move around in front of me so that I had to pay so much attention not getting into her draft line and of course she's allowed to do that she was in the front right she was leading the race so I had to kind of pay attention and she obviously did that also to screw my racing up in the back but it's it's racing she was the smart one there right she came to me she overtook me she raced smart and that's fair (laughs) And there was many times I was thinking, oh, just stay in one side. Just don't move. <laughs> but it's racing. It's uh, you, you've referred to the prize money at these races a couple of times. And so the non-drafting Olympic distance circuit at the time had some of the biggest prize purses we've ever seen in this sport. So you mentioned the t- 2013 Toyota Triple Crown. It included a $50,000 series bonus. And Alicia won that. Hella, you picked up the $100,000 first place prize at 2014's High V Triathlon, and and that money went away. And as Hella mentioned, you were kind of already involving 70.3 racing. So did you did you see it coming? No, I I didn't see it coming at all that it stopped over there the 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 non drift not at all. And uh, it was like I only got two years of opportunities on that distance where I would have wished and I would have loved that I came over earlier or even switched o- earlier to uh, to the non-draft racing. 
Um, so I didn't. I don't know what you, Alicia, if you've seen it coming, um, the lack of interest on Olympic distance. And I, and I still don't understand why, because I think it's exciting racing. Yeah, I completely agree with how I like to have like the high V5150 go away um, and then, you know, lifetime sort of methodically buy up a lot of the mom and pop races um, and then remove prize money in 2015. I was really disappointed and um, to see them literally like kill an ass, a, a really, I think, fun discipline in our sport because Ironman is not the only thing. and. Honestly, my my personal opinion is that Ironman is not healthy. It takes fitness to the extreme. Um, there are people that likely are not. And remember, someone said this to me, like, you may die sooner because of the damage you do to your body on the day of racing an Ironman. It's, it takes health too far. So how do we get more people involved in this sport, which is how we get professional racing, you know, funded, um, is making it accessible. And I just don't think Ironman's accessible. It, the the bikes, the expense, um, you know, Olympic distance racing is just, I think, the sweet spot. And I, I think it's the, like, most a recreational triathlete should probably be doing, you know, without causing harm to themselves. Like, um, I, I really believe in balance and triathlon should be a part of your night life, not like all of it. And I think as an age group athlete, like, I have, now that I have a normal human job, I have no idea how age group athletes do it. No idea. I have like about an hour a day for exercise and how would that ever prepare me even for a half? It wouldn't, I would have a miserable day. <laughs> so that's, I, I think Olympic distance racing is really important. I hope it comes back. I hope it becomes more accessible again. I hope we see it come back to professional racing. Um, it's also an amazing breeding ground for our ITU and Olympic distance athletes. Um, for the Olympics too, it's a great way to supplement income. We saw Julie Swale, we saw Sarah Haskins use that to support the Olympic dream because there's not always money in ITU. <laughs> so that's my two cents. <laughs> and what about this transition to 70.3? I think that both of you won the first 70.3s you finished. Hella in Puerto Rico in 2013. Alicia won Muskoka in 2014. So maybe we'll start with Hella. Like, what did, like, did you find that that transition was pretty, pretty easy for you? It actually was, yeah. I think that it was just, you know, where my talent maybe was lying was that I'm, very, very good at keeping like steady, high, high effort with not so many attacks. That's where they were in ITU racing. It was a lot of by responding and also some coincidence and some luck to be in the right group and make it work together. But like that hard, steady effort for me where I feel more that it it's my own responsibility to get a good result. There was not so much luck involved in it. It, it fitted also my personality really well. And so, so the transition for me was... Uh, was um, I would say was was pretty easy. It came super fast and also made made me give me a new motivation, a new desire to uh, to grow in the sport. And and moving to the states, the opportunities were big at that point with with all the races around that you could stay within the same country and then just jump around uh, to races uh, and also often having a very, very good feel. And so for me, it was it was really. My my career really took shape there from the I say mid thirteens and then and up and a different two years I I felt I found the recipes of uh, 
how to do well for me and, and how to win races. And what about you, Alicia? Yeah, I mean, everything Hella just said is 100% true. I really feel like 70.3 for Hella was like her absolute sweet spot. It was really when she had like she was always consistently very good. But when she had her magic days, like I feel like Bahrain was a magic day. I think she won 17, Hella, like you ran for the half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one seventeen. Um, yeah. There's another race that I'm thinking of in my head, and I can't place it. Where y- you just like when she's really, really on and has those magic days. Like I, I don't think his- historically there's been very many other women that could race with her. And so I really feel like seventy point threes were is is the the discipline that she was made for. As for myself, it wasn't. I had to work really, really hard to be competitive at 70.3s and I just couldn't perform to the level I felt like I was capable of. I had some nutritional issues that I just couldn't really overcome. I really struggled with fueling and appropriately fueling and just Hella just seemed to have this ability to just nail it and I was just like I kept having these things go wrong and it just was from a nutrition standpoint and a pacing standpoint and just not able to execute what I was doing in training on race day which was really weird for me because as Hella knows from training with me when I was doing Olympic distance, I had a weird ability to overperform at the Olympic distance level. Yeah. Really, Hella would yeah. kick my butt in training every day. I would start an interval ahead of her. She would pass me and then beat me. But then race day would come and it would be the opposite on the bike. So it was, it was, I just didn't have that same experience at half. So uh, for me, halves, Olympic distance was my sweet spot and I did, Mm -hmm. I had to do everything I could to be the better at halves and fulls, but I I just wasn't the same caliber of athlete that I think I was at Olympic distance. I definitely think there was a, the nutritional aspect for you was, was a tough one that you simply not couldn't hold enough in on the bike and just could not get enough in and, and almost always it was the run that would then let you down because you had no more to, to give out there. So so the longest, and if it is that you are dealing with nutritional issues, it, it is a tough one. I mean, you cannot, two hours of intense racing, yeah, you can do that on a, a bit of sports drink and a gel, and, and that was kind of, you didn't take much more than that, and that's plenty. Right. Um, yeah. And even like, just, you just had water in your bottle, right, and then a gel. So, I mean, it was yeah. because you couldn't handle, um, whereas I could take so much in on the bike, I could, I... I get like 80 grams of, of carbs per hour, right? I can tolerate an immense amount. And that was obviously a, a benefit for me, mm-hmm. uh, why I also could could run really fast off the bike on a half distance. Yeah. Alicia, I have to play devil's advocate a little bit to your comment about iron distance racing not being super healthy um, as someone who's done 33 Ironmans and I love the distance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll just kind of poke a little bit of fun because I'm sure some of our listeners out there too are kind of raising their hand, like, you know, but wait, you know? And so I guess listening to you talk about struggling and as you moved up in distance, do you think that could just obviously kind of play a role into for yourself, maybe in your body and your, you know, mental health, you know, of course it might not be the most healthy, but, um, you know, there, I guess there are different levels, right? We'll say of how people can maintain the balance and do that sort of thing. You certainly, I think with your talent, like going to the iron distance is, is it's different, you know? And I think that's important for listeners to hear too. Um, when you try and take that kind of ability 
and scale it, right? It does wear on you a lot, like as you're trying to, to do that sort of thing. So do you think, you know, that struggle that you had kind of plays into how you view iron distance racing today? Yeah, it's definitely, and I love that. Like my background's in counseling, so I love a good critical thinking question. And actually where my brain started thinking about this was when I was 16, I was actually handing out medals at the finish line of Ironman Canada with Kathy Tremblay and Natasha Filial. And Joel was our chaperone. We were on Team Subaru and we were standing at the finish line. And Simon Whitfield was with us. And I remember I watched a man cross the finish line and his three boys were there. You could like pay to like greet your, you know, your loved one at the finish line. And he didn't recognize his family. And I remember um, just thinking like, whoa, this, this is, might not be good for everyone. Um, and that's when I got my wheels turning. And I remember sitting down with, uh, I believe it was Simon. And he said, he's like, he was the one that said that to me <laughs> that was said like this distance might be that thing for some people where they do so much damage on this day because they're not ready or they had a nutritional error. Like we've seen pros have parts of their intestines removed because they dehydrate themselves so bad in Kona. You can push too hard. You can be so unprepared on race day that there are long-term effects. Like we look at Sarah um, True, who had it, like her overheating incident, and she's had that continue to happen. Like there is, we we recognize in this sport, especially in iron distance, that we are possibly doing long-term damage to our bodies. That's just an inherent risk, and I where that comment came from was also from just knowing from a pro's perspective, like we have all this time, we dedicate our entire lives to being prepared. And how prepared can you be if you have a full-time job? I'm not saying that everyone's in that boat, but I think it's a risk you have to inherently accept um, that that could happen in racing, especially Hawaii. Like that's the most insane iron distance race ever. The conditions, the swim even, I think is like, I get out of that swim and I was just like, oh my God, give me all the water. <laughs> like I'm so thirsty and the chafing is just like, mm -hmm. anyways. So I think, yes, you're absolutely right. Like I just have a deep respect for the risk involved in Ironman and that it should not be taken lightly. And, uh, but I don't also do anything for fun from an athletic standpoint. Like, I have to be ultra prepared. So I can't imagine doing an Ironman and be, being ultra prepared. So <laughs> I definitely probably have some like, you know, emotional baggage that ties into that opinion. But it was also that experience, like mm. being 16, standing at the finish line and watching someone not recognize their own children. That was pretty insane. There, there is no doubt about it. You need to have respect for an Ironman distance. Um, I think it, it's very important in terms of also the preparation uh, but I will also say uh, it, it, the amateurs and the age groupers, it is, it is inspiring how they cope. I, I coach a lot of, of them and, and I'm involved in, with a lot of mentoring uh, with age groupers. And, and I'm super inspired how they are able to structure their day um, to, to challenge themselves and, and, and reach those goals. And it's often people that are very driven by themselves and they are very, you know, they always challenge themselves and, and average is not it's not something that you're happy about. You want to be different. You want to, you want to try your best and you, and you want to take the risk, you know, you want to make it difficult for yourself. And I think that is super inspiring. 
um, to do that with a full-time job as well. So you both retired from professional triathlon in 2019. Hella, I think you retired first in the summer of 2019, like you said, just about a year ago, right before Ironman Copenhagen, which you had hoped to race but um, did not. What went into your decision to step away from the sport? Yeah, so I've been thinking of it for, for a couple of years at that point, and I've always wanted to stop at the top. Uh, when I still felt that I had more good races in me uh, and the feeling of, you know, when I got to a start line, I would always be competitive and I would always want the other girls to look at me to think she's in for a battle. She always is, you know, she could always win this race. Uh, I would want to, to stop there and not before I'm going down the ladder where I'm more feeling you should find something else to do. Come on find something else there's other things to life than triathlon like professionally that was me personally so I set the goal in in 19 that I would like to do the last race at home soil in Copenhagen so I left it late to do an Ironman that year I also had a goal to do a very fast Ironman and Copenhagen was possible to do it there and if I did well I would probably get a slot to Kona so that would be how I wanted to end um, my career and then uh, I was in uh, a wicked shape um, three weeks before uh, Copenhagen Ironman and suddenly I got pain in my, my right shin uh, and it turned out to be uh, very close to, to breaking um, when we got the scan back. And uh, yeah, as you could probably imagine in the beginning, I was in denial and you know all the self-talk where you're like, this is not how it's supposed to end. This is not going to decide. This is how my career is going to end. I'm I can't stop my career without having that last race, that dream of running over the finish line in Copenhagen with fans and family there. And that's scenarios I put up in my head. And like, it took me 24 hours and I was just, you know, looking at other possible races to do later in the year. How can I finish this? How can I get this finish line? And then um, I was looking back and thinking like, all that I have done in my career is amazing. I think that achieved way more than I could ever have imagined. So one race, more or less, is not going to determine whether I've had a good career or not. Um, at that point, I still wanted to get away from everything. But another day took and I contacted Ironman Copenhagen to ask whether I could be in Copenhagen and get my finish line. And they actually said that that was a brilliant idea. And I got over there. I started the professional race for the women. It was a women only. And then I also got my finish line. So before the first lady passed the finish line, I was honored and interviewed and the fans were cheering for me and I had my goodbye and my finish line. So, I mean, instead of running away from me from it and thinking this was the most terrible ending of a beautiful career, I managed to turn it around and get my own finish line in my own way of write it myself and think about that beautiful career that I've had. It was tough, but I was so happy I turned it around because had that been eight years earlier in my career, I would have run away from it and been so, 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 so sad that I couldn't write the finish of my career. Mm -hmm. That was a long, uh, long story to this, but it was a big deal for me. Alicia, I think you had planned to race Challenge Daytona in December, but an injury meant you finished your career as the swim leg in the Pro-Am Relay. So can you tell us about the conclusion of your own career? 
Yeah, so much like Hella, um, I had been contemplating the end of my career for a few years before I had been before I decided to finally end it. And what was the catalyst for me? I had always kind of actually envisioned racing professional, almost like Meredith is now, like just keep going, like you know, have kids and then just bring the kids to the race and just sort of do that. Like I just I love that. That's what I always thought I would do. And um, in the fall of 2017, actually in the race morning of Kona, I got an email that my dad was diagnosed with dementia with Lewy bodies and Parkinson's. And it's an email I probably shouldn't have opened. Um, and it was one of those things that Jared was like, it can wait. Like, we can read this email after the race. But it was, it was an itch I had to scratch. I opened the email. So that launched pretty much a series of unfortunate events. And so six months later, my mom was diagnosed with um, stage four cancer. And um, it just completely like, I felt like my life went through this like sifter or like the Plinko machine on Price is Right, where it was like all the shit that didn't matter, hope we're allowed to swear <laughs> on this podcast because it just happened, um, <laughs> just got stuck. And triathlon was one of those chips that didn't make it down to the bottom. And I really realized that um, it was just something that I was doing. And the second that that shift happened and like my mom and dad became my number one priority, I had to uh, get power of attorney of my father who has dementia. Um, he was unfortunately in an elder abuse situation and it was just not good. And um, Hella's like, was there for me, like listening <laughs> through all of that. And, um, my mom's situation was really not good. And I had a brother I hadn't spoken to in 12 years until my parents got sick. Um, and we reignited that relationship. And I really realized how important, um, my family was to me. And I think as athletes, we make such huge sacrifices. I mean, I think we can all sit here and say we've missed weddings. We've probably missed funerals. We've missed the births of different important children in our lives, like whether it's nieces or nephews or just events you would normally go to, but you prioritize the race. You prioritized your season. You prioritized your recovery. And I just realized I was not willing to do that. So I pretty much dropped everything in... 2018 and definitely 2019 and was just there for my family and, and spent as much time as I could with my mom. I spent the last 10 days of her life with her in hospice and she passed on July 4th of last year. And I just, I knew I was done. I was like, Jared, I'm done. I contacted my manager. I was like, I don't want to race again. I'm good. Um, and they both sort of encouraged me to just take my time and heal and try to get back into training and um, I don't know if any of you have been through this where you're like going through something emotionally and you try to train and it's like your body just won't, it can't do it. Like it just won't respond or give you what you need. And it was just, it was doing that, but I still got in a half decent shape, went to Augusta, um, 70.3 hoping to race deep down. I think in my heart, I knew I was just, it wasn't going to happen. I woke up on race morning and Jared had such a beautiful attitude. He said, if you want to race, great. If you want to go for breakfast, let's go do that. <laughs> so I said, I'm good. I don't want to do this. Like I was just like, and it was the weirdest thing. I remember it's just so surreal walking into transition, picking up my bike and just knowing I didn't want to be on the start line. I just, I was good. 
and um but then you also really you know you felt you know deep down inside you what it was you know that what decision was almost taken for you you know your underconscious was like no this is what feels right yeah you know and also you've had a such a long career such a long beautiful career and keep pushing because you had a plan to finish it at some point but the mm-hmm. body is screaming to say i'm i'm content i'm fine yeah. i'm yeah. done now that was exactly it and and it was around that period you know hella had just you know, emotionally processed her retirement. I was sort of paralleling with her, like in, in, in all actuality, we kind of emotionally retired at the same time. I waited to announce my retirement until December. I was hopeful that I would just have one more finish line just to kind of participate in Daytona. But then as Haley mentioned, I, I just had a back injury um, that I've finally just healed. It turned out I had a broken back and I had no idea. Um, not a stress fracture, likely from an accident. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's it all kind of, and the thing that Hella said to me that really, really resonated with me uh, was you cannot write how we end our careers. Like we can't write it. You know, yes, some athletes get that glorious moment, like Gwen winning a gold medal in, in, in Rio, but like it doesn't take away from the depth of your career. And um, Mm. I was just, I was super, super at peace. And like, it's funny, even talking about the sport, I feel like an imposter now because I am so divorced emotionally from the sport. Not because I hate the sport, but because I'm just in a totally different phase of my life. Um, So like even talking about Ironman, like, and I love that Alyssa like sort of pushed back on me because it's like, I I don't even feel like I have a right to talk about it anymore, as weird as that sounds, Um, because I just feel so disconnected from the sport. And um, because I'm emotionally in such a different place, just so in love with my work. Um, And I don't, hell is like my one triathlon friend. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely have a right to talk about it. In fact, like your, both of your inputs are super valuable, um, to be learning from because it is, it's a tough thing when you're like in your, the midst of a career in the midst of, you know, doing what you want athletically, it's hard to kind of have, you know, the full picture in a way. And like to really give yourself more awareness of just other kind of perspectives and things like that is, is very, very valuable. And so we're excited that you have been sharing all of this with us today. And we use the word retirement, but for both of you, it's been more of a career transition, if anything. So Hella, can you tell us about what you're doing now? Yeah, so I'm doing a lot of things, but um, I am uh, together with my husband creating um, like a, an online training universe club uh, where we have uh, members from, yeah, right now 55 countries in the world, uh, providing them um, personalized training and also uh, uh, content like e-learning, so so online learnings. And then we also have created kind of a community around them as well. And we are working on scaling that. And we, we have done some, 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 some tests uh, with, with the group of people that we're working with, and it, it's being received very, very well. And uh, we started up before... Uh, the corona pandemic um, in, in January and people were very keen. And then, I mean, when, when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like, oh, well, we, 
we already tested this online universe and it's 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 really amazing how you can create a community um across the whole globe like it's it's not just it's just completely the whole globe and also different time zones so um i my like after stop racing you know you're always looking for for your why and why is it that you get up in the morning what is it that motivates you to do different things and and i would like to see how i can impact as many people as possible like with with learning and coaching and and helping them and trying to give back to the sport really and personalized coaching if you only have one to one you can only hit a certain amount and and that's about it so i wanted to try and see how how i could scale that and get get out wide uh, to a lot of people and and we tried that at it it's really working well and right now we are developing and developing and um, our own app and our own kind of universe so it's it's going to take it some time but I, I i think it will be very good and what about your own training it it does What's look that? like you still train quite a bit with your with yourself so are you still training a fair amount and is it just kind of for fun to stay sane what's your approach yeah, yeah, for sure. I, like I, I train a little bit every morning, um, an hour or, or two or something like that. So I still love to to swim, bike, and run. I still love to to push myself out in the forest on the hills. But there's no structure. It's just for fun. Like some days, it's just going for a walk. I mean, it is also to to keep my mind sane and clear and creative and be a good wife. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it, it's definitely a huge part of me and. I think I had to change it around to uh, to call it exercising instead of training uh, because in the beginning it was like there is nothing to train for. I don't have a goal. So I had to turn that around. I'm, I'm exercising for the love of it and that is me. I'm, a, I'm a, an active person and will always be that. Um, I also know the, the benefits of it uh, physiologically and mentally to, to stay active and, and live a balanced life and I think that that sport is a huge part of that. And I definitely not didn't stop traveling because I hated the sport. Uh, I really do love the sport and um, I love the people and the community around it. And um, so I still keep active for sure. And Alicia, we, or I, recently talked to you about your new business venture, Try Organizing, for an Iron Women podcast mini episode. So if any of our listeners haven't listened to that, I definitely recommend them checking it out. But are, you mentioned training maybe about an hour a day. Is, that, is it more exercise these days in your post-professional triathlon career? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I sort of love what Hella was just beginning to talk about. Like your relationship with physical activity really changes in in retirement. And um, I I know this sounds weird, but like exercise is so delicious now. Like it's like this really fun. Like I, I use food as my example because I love food. <laughs> so that <laughs> you can go out and do whatever you want. Like if you, I always walk for the first minute of every run and that's like my 60 seconds of decision. Do I feel like running today or do I feel like walking? And I just sort of love that control that I get to have now because before you did everything cause you had to, or it was the training that was prescribed for you. And not that I didn't love it, but this, this freedom is pretty awesome. <laughs> like I love that I can wake up and also do nothing or press snooze and then not exercise at all that day. But I do, it makes me the best version of myself. Um, if I can exercise even just 30 minutes a day, um, 
but I must admit there are days where I'll work like a 10 hour shift with a client and I don't exercise. <laughs> I feel like all of the moving and shifting everything, uh, moving boxes and whatnot, that was like enough. So it is really something to look forward to. Like even for both of you, when you do decide to part ways with triathlon as, as your job and as your, as your profession, it's really lovely to be able to say, oh, I'll go for a hike or maybe do something that's like a bit more risk taking that you wouldn't do before because you were worried about injury, you know? So that is really, really wonderful uh, to be able to experience new types of physical activity too. So um, yeah, I absolutely love that aspect of retirement for sure. Mm. But it's totally well, no racing for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it is kind well, of nice not having, you know, not... It is about that structure that you always follow with the training and the certain sessions that you have to get in every single day because we all know if we don't prepare uh, prepare well, we will not race well. So it's really up to you whether you're going to have a good result. Not completely, but you know you need to put the hard work in. Whereas like letting that go for a period of time, you know, now Alicia wants to perform in her job, right? And and I also would like to make a difference in what I'm doing. So it's a different way of putting a, an expectation on yourself, or I wouldn't call it a pressure, but in, in training often you did have to go out and push yourself and pressure yourself to get over that river to become better because you can never be comfortable. If you're comfortable, you're just never going to win. You know, you got to push yourself and letting that go to kind of like for a period of time in your life to say like, it's okay. You, you don't have to push yourself. You can go out for a walk or a hike or just a gentle swim if that's what you want, because this is not where you're gonna, you know, achieve your next big goal. This is something, there's something else in life waiting for you that where you want to achieve something where it's not having to push yourself physically, where you're almost like coughing up blood, right? But (laughs) we need to be able to manage to push ourselves so hard to achieve well in the sport. And and that's been amazing. And have been able to do that also have taught you so many other things that you can use now for other things because you have shown yourself you can do it. Interesting fact, Hella and I, that's when we knew we went our hardest, when we could both taste blood in our mouth. (laughs) I know that sounds insane, but that's how hard we would push. Like, at least once a week, there was blood in our mouth. (laughs) I think those kinds of things are good for people to hear because I think a lot of times listening to how hard the pro, you know, like I think it's easy to sometimes look at pros at the pointy end, especially of an Olympic distance race and be like, it must be easy for them, right? Like I hear that a lot from athletes I coach and things. (laughs) And it's like, no, like it is whether you're first or you're last, if you're pushing hard, right, you're pushing hard and learning to do that requires, you know, tasting blood in your mouth. So <laughs> I think that's always good to hear from you guys. And thank you so much. I think hearing about your career and your evolution as training partners is super inspiring, but also just getting insight on the mindset for what comes next and learning about that evolution is also super inspiring. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You're welcome. Yes. Okay, Alyssa, it's quiz time. Please tell me which noon hydration product I should be drinking during the following scenarios. First up, a two-hour hard bike workout. Ooh, I'd go with noon endurance because you need some carbs for that. All right, second question, an easy shakeout swim. Probably some noon sport, keep it light. What about working from home? Noon sport yet again. 
Final question. A three-day, 16-hour, fastest-known time attempt on the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. I'd definitely say noon instant for sure. All the electrolytes, please. Ding, ding, ding. You got them all right, Alyssa. And I think it's obvious there's a noon hydration product for every time in life. Iron Women podcast listeners can try them all and get 30% off using the code livefeisty at noonlife.com. Again, that's Live Feisty, all one word with a capital L and a capital F. Use that code for 30% off any purchase at noonlife.com. Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code IRONWOMEN15. This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an orca wetsuit, actually, so I already know I like them. I've been trying out their swim run wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Haley, do you know what I'm doing when I'm feeling kind of down? What do you do, Alyssa? I go to gooder.com forward slash feisty, the live feisty curated collection on the Gooder Sunglasses website, and I read the fun names of all the sunglasses. Ooh, do you have a current favorite? I think today I'm going with Kitty Hawker's Ray Blockers. Oh, nice pick from the new Mach G line. Going for a run in a pair of teal aviators would make me so happy right now. Happiness really might be a pair of no-slip, no-bounce, polarized sunglasses in fun colors with a fun name. Happiness is also sunglasses that start at just $25 a pair. So all of our listeners should go to gooder.com forward slash feisty to see our favorites and find their own. That's g-o-o-d-r.com forward slash f-e-i-s-t-y. Be sure to check out the virtual try-on feature while you're there. And of course, look good, run gooder. Haley, this was a super fun episode with both Hella and Alicia. We might have to try and have the the double interviewees on more often because I think that was a fun way to do it. But if our listeners want to learn more from either of these women, there's a couple places they can go to do it. That's right. Alicia actually has her own podcast, which is pretty cool. It's called Retire Well Podcast. And you can go to retirewellpodcast.com and listen to it. They just launched it, I think, last month. So get right into it. I think, you know, she's obviously a very, very wise human. And I don't think it's necessarily all about retirement from sport. I think it's, it's transitions in life and moving on from one thing to another, which I think will resonate with everyone these days. Cause we all are some kind of transition. And then, um, Hella also has, she's written her autobiography. It is currently out in Danish and the English version is supposed to come out, I think in December of 2020. So we will definitely, uh, push that out whenever we have uh, the information on it being available in the United States or in English um, and and Canada and so people can get it so we will we'll be ang- anxiously anticipating that English version of her autobiography so that all of our listeners can can hear more about her story because we, we really just skimmed the surface of their incredible careers they're both incredible athletes and and I'm excited that we're seeing them do so much even post-professional sporting career it's pretty inspiring Well, thanks to both Alicia and Hella for taking the time with us today. 
And Haley, I really hope that this mouse situation gets um, resolved and that you aren't going. You can concentrate on like the real haunted Halloween situations happening and not the mice. I don't even want to mice issues. Thank you. I hope so too, Alyssa. I um, yeah, it's 2020 is kind of kicking my butt, but I know I'm not alone in that. So thanks. It's been great to catch up with you and I look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zelio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Hold up. 